So I went. I worked for the CIA. I was going to ask so, you about that. <laughs> then I thought you'd have to kill me, so I was going to blame him for asking. <laughs> Whiskey won't you wake in? Have some fun while you're here. Do you listen? Do you hear when it's coming? All right, hello everybody. We've got another episode of Battle Scars. My name is Lee Michaels. I'm here with my co-partner or partner Patrick Callahan. Hey, it's good to see you again. I'm actually in the old. When I went to law school here, we're actually in the bookstore, so I'm starting to sweat here for a second. <laughs> Get nervous. Again, we're here with Priscilla Turgan of Project New Start, and thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you. We thought we would take a little bit of a different spin and uh, talk about entrepreneurship uh, as it relates to nonprofits. And so uh, Greg Somerville, a common friend of ours, a board member of yours, uh, had recommended that that we talk to you, and uh, we're very excited. So... Maybe we could start with you talking a little, telling us a little bit about what is Project New Start and what do you do? Okay. So uh, Project New Start is a nonprofit organization that um, assists individuals, justice-involved individuals, in their journey uh, following incarceration. So our mission is very simply to combat violence and reduce recidivism. Okay. okay. Are you focused on the state or um, is it national or is it? No, we're, ju- and we're basically uh, Newcastle mm-hmm. County, our 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 main program and yep. base is in Newcastle County, but we do remote programming in the work release centers in Kent and Sussex County as well. Awesome. Uh, how long have you been doing this? Uh, ten, it'll be 10 years in October wow. of 2023. Probably feels like yesterday. <laughs> it does. Yeah. yeah, it does. And uh, from what I've been learning about it, you have a certain class size that goes through each of these classes. So what we're known for our um, primary programming is we run two 10-week cohorts, our New Start Reentry program a year. So those, um, in those cohorts, people are with us Monday through Friday, 8.30 to 3, for every day for 10 weeks, and nobody pays them to be here. They're, they're individuals that apply, find, hear about us, or we work with probation. Uh, officers refer people, the courts refer people, Moms refer, <laughs> sons or daughters. And so we, we try and select people that have the motivation to do, to be better. Okay. okay. To make a change. Okay. And so in those, our cohort is usually between 10 and 14 individuals and uh, per cohort. So it's two cohorts a year. And we've had a lot of people ask us why we won't put add a third cohort uh, a year but you know we're not dealing in widgets we're dealing in humans and so they you know the the cohort is the cohort and every hour of that 325 hours is packed so they get financial literacy they get technology training they get their flagger certification and forklift and a parenting and a landscape certification and serve safe food handling but they also, biggest portion of the time is really cognitive behavioral change. So what can we do to help give them the tools to make better decisions? Right. You know, so that's the, the, during the 10 weeks. And then the week after they graduate, if they aren't already, haven't connected to employment, then we work to connect them to employment. But we follow everybody forever. So we're still following people from our first cohort in 2013. And actually, in July, we hired a graduate of the 2014 uh, cohort. Oh, wow. So okay. he's our main program specialist. Uh, we just, and 
you know, so the, the period after the class is really almost more intense than the period during class because during class they're close to you. They're here with you. You know, you, they've, got, they've got your constant support. Once they graduate and they're out there working, then that's when things, you know, can happen because they're back in reality again. Right. So that's really when they need our care and support. And you go on the website, you see some of the stories. It's tear jerking. It's amazing. It's amazing it, people. Yeah. You know, people are better than the worst thing they ever did. Yeah. Mm. And that's just so. Yeah. And then the ones that want to make that change, make that change. Yeah. Is this something you do this full time? Is this your mm-hmm. yes? Wow, yes. fantastic. What were you doing before this? So before this. Um, before, before. <laughs> so I got into more of this sort of work, actually through volunteer work I did uh, in my first job out of college. So I, went, I worked for the CIA. I was going to ask so, you about that. <laughs> then I thought you'd have to kill me, so I was going to blame him for asking. So I did, you know, I <laughs> wanted to go the Culinary there. Institute of America, right? <laughs> yeah, this is right. Central Intelligence. Yeah. You know, and I thought I was, that's all I wanted to do was work for the CIA. And I got yeah. there and I went, ooh, this is a little boring. So I started doing some volunteer work at George Washington University Hospital in the evenings. Eventually went back to Ohio where I was from, got married, um, cried all the way back because I never wanted to leave D.C. But when I got back there, I connected, used that volunteer. And I, I like to tell this story because it really is the volunteer work that started me on this path, that evening volunteer work at GW Hospital. I was working with adolescents. Okay. So I got back to Ohio and went to work for the Division of Vocational Rehabilitation. And my caseload was people with, you know, mental illness. There was a drug abuse and criminal justice. So you've had the job as part of the passion as well. That was married together already. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was interesting. So um, then I got recruited from the Division of Oak Rehab to the Parole Authority. And I was the first female parole officer supervisor in the state of Ohio. So this is back in the 70s. Wow. And we, you know, we created a job placement program for individuals coming out of the Ohio's maximum security prison back in the early mm-hmm. 70s. So, and it was a great, pro, you know, it was, it, it was an institution-based program. What does that mean? It was, so we were working with them while they were incarcerated. Okay. And then, you know, they came out, hit the street. And, but at that point, I was a, a voc rehab counselor. But then when I became a parole officer, then my role changed somewhat, you know. Right. And being the first female doing that, that had to be a big deal at the time or no? Or was it, yeah, it was a big deal to other yeah. people. Mm-hmm. Um, You're just doing your job. Just, yeah. you know, <laughs> Getting it done. Yeah, yeah you know, it was, it, it was lots of exciting stories yeah, I can in imagine. that period of time. But... So then eventually, um, we moved around the country a little bit and ended up in Paducah, Kentucky in uh, 79, and no women worked there. And it's just like, you know, nobody looked like me, nobody, no females worked. I just said, you know, I'm, I'm going to do something here. And I, there was an employment agency in town, and I ended up buying it for $18,000, and it was like a a box of applications, and then turned that into a nationwide recruiting firm for engineers. So that was that period of time when, you know, that that was could be a lucrative business, yeah. you yeah, know. Placement. And where Paducah is, it's on the 
um, Ohio and the Tennessee rivers, so there were a lot of chemical plants there. So one of them, Air Products, came to me, I think, in 1980 and said, there's no temp service here. Are you willing, to, Would you, if we helped you, would you send up a temporary service? I said, yeah, you know. So we did that, <laughs> you know. And then, um, then we had an opportunity to leave because there really wasn't anything there for the kids you know, there uh, were you working t- with parolees when you were doing? No, I, I was working with yep. uh, engineers. Got it. You know, placing them all over the country, and then and the temporary f- focus was on engineers. Okay. So then we had an opportunity to change, uh, move, and um, it's interesting because I bought it for eighteen thousand. An older woman bought it for me for twenty five, which I was jumping up and down, <laughs> and she turned around like three years later and t- uh, sold it to. Um, it was, I think, Snelling it's for $250,000. You can't look back. <laughs> I, mean, I don't look back. I don't look back. So anyhow, we came to Delaware. And I thought at that time I could continue recruitment of engineers, but that was 82. And the recession okay. was starting to travel this way. And so I didn't make any money. Mm. So I didn't make any money. Yeah. <laughs> started a nonprofit. But, <laughs> yeah, that's right. And but I was able, and I don't even remember how this happened. But I, oh, I do remember. I had to go to work for somebody. You got to eat. I, I got to eat. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah. it, the professional staffing wasn't making any money. And it's so, funny how all the entrepreneurs start out there. Oh, <laughs> and kind of end up there sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. But I went to work for like six months for somebody that had a contract with the Division of Vocational Rehabilitation here to place their folks with the banks because the Financial Center Development yeah. Act had just passed. So all the banks were coming in. So I went to work uh, for that individual, and then that kind of blew up. Okay. His, that business blew up, and then the state came to me and said, we want a contract with you directly. So that's when professional staffing, which started in Kentucky, then became a workforce development program or it, contract. That was a business. That it was, was a business, a yeah. For-profit. For-profit. Sort of and yeah. during that time, you're <laughs> learning how to run the books. You're learning how to, like... Well, that's interesting because <laughs> when I had the temporary service, I was deducting, you know, um, payroll taxes and everything. But I thought, God, I don't know how they got, I thought God or somebody paid them to the feds. <laughs> and I did. There was like six months where I didn't do that. And then that's always found out awakening. That, yeah. Oh, my gosh. You we know, all go through it. Yeah. My husband figured it out. And he's, you know, where are the taxes? <laughs> so, you know, you you can have a great vision, but. You know, I didn't go to business school. Right, yeah. I, you know, I took the easiest math in college right. for one year. So, you know, I just didn't, that wasn't in my brain. Um, but anyhow, so the, the relationship with the Department of Labor was really good and lasted from 84 to 2016, uh, actually. Um, but in, in that time, we helped about 2,000 people connect to employment Okay. And we did a lot of work with the banks and helped the, a lot of these banks coming into town recruit, actually recruit their personnel. And um, we actually duplicated back in the day on a floppy disk, uh, one of the banks, um, their processing system. And we were able to recruit people, teach them what they were going to do, and then 
hand them off to the bank, you know. So it was it was an uh, interesting time. But then in twenty th- and in that period of time, a lot anybody could come into the program that was unemployed or underemployed. So those two thousand people covered a lot of different uh, categories, sure. and there were individuals that came through that were criminally involved or had been. And then the the motivator for me was just in 2013 when everything started blowing up in downtown Wilmington. And I just, it was a weekend. And I just remember thinking, what can we do differently that we can be a catalyst for positive change? Mm -hmm. So I just, and did it really come like that? Or it was did. There, it was did. there someone that um, sparked that? I mean, there no, had to be, I was just in the yeah. car driving to New Jersey to yeah, the that beach. That's what <laughs> I was going to say. You've reached bottom. You know, really, it was the first and only time I ever went to the beaches. We and then I came up with the logo in the car and the name. But were you at a, at a point, I had to really yeah, dive into this. Right. Were you at a point where it's this isn't fulfilling or I've done this before or. It was it's, it's it's a great question. It was hard because I had all state contracts, and there was always a delay in when you got paid. Sure. Oh. And so, uh, to be quite frank with you, I'm still paying on a line of credit. Yeah. That yeah. you incurred because when I made the flip to the nonprofit, I couldn't pay that. Right. You know, yeah. like, so, yeah, it was, but it was nothing I would ever walk away from. I knew it was, I was, I felt like I was banging my head against the wall. I knew we were still, we were getting great fulfillment out of helping the people. But just emotionally, it was, you're worried every minute. Yeah. And then so, you have somebody else's livelihood in your hands. Right. Your yeah. employees, and yeah. you know, and that's, that's the hard part. Yeah, yeah we always, um, it was always tough for us because it wasn't, at Archer Group, it wasn't just, the employees in the room it was always you know their families that's that we got the to thing know. they're mortgages yeah. <laughs> i remember yeah. one day getting frustrated on mm-hmm. something i'm sure lee and uh looked out like we got 60 mortgages we're paying out there that's <laughs> the thing and that's failure is not an option that's yeah. right yeah and that's what that's yeah. there so yeah. you're in the car going to new jersey you get this spark and you say i can do this i can do something different to make a positive change and, and so out of that like as a down moment you say you're going to you're going to make this happen. And it was tying this together. Was was the vision you have today what you started out with? I, I'm not sure what my vision was. <laughs> I just knew I, I wanted to do it. You know, I, yeah. I can't tell you that. I, um, I knew I could, I knew the population. Mm. I knew I made it that far from 79 to 2013. Mm. And I just wanted to do it. We just need, I needed to do it. And I had an individual working for me, a lovely woman who since passed. And it was just the two of us running professional staffing. And I looked and I said to her first, I said, if, if we make this switch, are you in? And she said, I'm in. Because she had a, she's a single mom. She, she's a widow. And she had a, a young son. And she said, Pris, but for the grace of God, you know, he, that could be my son. And but you know she was a great mom and had, and so she was in. I was in, so um, we made the flip. And it was interesting because where do you how do you fund it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just know? getting started as a nonprofit. Like how do you like how do you do all of that? So who did you turn to to figure it out? I one of my uh, best buds. Um, she had a family member 
work for one of the mm-hmm. um, big foundations in town. She said, you ought to call my sister-in-law and see if you can sit and chat with them and get some guidance. And so I did. And, and actually, it was Dave Sisko with the, the uh-huh. Laffy McHugh. And yeah. he was fabulous. He said, Pris, this is what you need to contact. This person, this person, and this person. Well, at the time, I, I still had Department of Labor funding. So I applied as a nonprofit. So I had workforce development funds. So I'm sorry. If I, I did have that. But... Um, he said, you go after this, and I just followed whatever he told me to do. You just go in and you knock on doors. And, and it was interesting because everybody was worried about sustainability. Well, what, you don't have any background in nonprofit, and are you going to be here in a year? Right. And, and I knew we would be there in a year, but you can't. I mean, I understand the question, mm-hmm. and they're putting their money up, uh, but it, it – worked every you know we were able to sustain in addition to the department of labor funding then we start getting foundation grants the other part of that was interesting the corrections world did not know me and so you had to go back and rely on that ohio time period yeah you <laughs> right, had yeah. to prove your right. who you were but yeah. they still they the proof is in your the pudding and i told my associate, I said, we're just going to keep our heads low for three years, and then we'll show them what we do. After three years, then we'll come up for air, and because anybody can look good in a year, right? You know. Right. So, in the, just taking a step back on yes. the first initial funding that you were doing, um, for people that don't know, Laffy McHugh is a, a local foundation. Is that right? Like we have a yes, yeah, yes. It, it has a big reach, but um, local foundation Delaware mm-hmm. has a lot of local foundations that are really. They, they all know each other. It's very key, right? Right, right. And so um, you go into them with a well-thought-out business plan for three years or, do, or a financial plan for three years? Like, no financial nothing, plan, no. Yeah. You had no <laughs> idea you're going to be able to eat next week, but you don't know, right? Okay. I d- well, I knew, you know, I knew there was some stability in knowing that you had the Department of Labor funding, but that's all performance-based. All of that's performance-based, so you have to perform to get paid. Right. Uh, but, you know, I... I should have been afraid and known to do all that. Yeah. But you're just, um, you know, it, it just, just that wasn't the motivator was yeah. get this done, get out there, show what you can do. Yeah. And, and then, but, you know, I, uh, as you're writing grants, though, you get better. Yeah. You learn what you need to know. Yeah. And then, and I had really great guidance, though, from like them. Uh, Thayer DuPont was yeah. wonderful. He's with Longwood. Longwood, he was wonderful. And um, I actually, so in 2016, the Department of Labor changed the way they funded programs. And we didn't get funded. Oh, the budget was cut big time. They get, at that point, they were uh, funding programs through the blue collar tax that employers pay. Mm. And that fund was like annihilated. Mm. So... The head of my committee uh, was a wonderful gentleman in Delaware. Uh, I'm sorry, lost his name right now, but he came to me when I had to go before this committee, and he said, Pris, I don't know how we're going to give you any money. He goes, this is the amount of money we have this year. And it was, you know, what, what they would give me right. in one year. They had to give to anybody that came before the committee. And in the, in, before that, I had reached out to Thayer to say, they normally fund 70%. May we have a conversation about you picking up the other 30%? 
And he said, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll schedule a meeting. Well, when I left, knowing that I wasn't going to get any money from Department of Labor, I called there, and I said, there, um, we can cancel the meeting. I didn't get any funds. And he said, God bless him, he said, you're in crisis. Let's sit down. Wow. And um, it was wonderful. He gave us, um, I think, a two-year grant, and we made all our metrics like a year ahead of time. And so it was just, it was wonderful, wow. you know, that he, and then that support then opened other doors. And you also have a, you know, the things going on in the background. Delaware had a res- high recidivism rate, right? Correct. And that's the one thing you had for yourself, which is not a good thing, but that's what you're trying to address. And so that was the wave that was actually behind you as well, too. That is correct. But the where we weren't at mm-hmm. was, was the space where employers needed employees right and were willing to hire people sure yeah and did you know that challenge going into it yeah Yeah. because it was a different world then yeah Yeah. and um so that was the other thing we had to learn to do is to knock on doors and explain what we were doing and i remember the first time a parole officer came to visit us we were in the claymont community center he walked in the door and had his Stood, had his weapons on, his guns on, and he stood and crossed his arms and just stood there and just intimidated everybody. And it was just so wrong. Yeah. And he ended up becoming one of our major biggest supporters yeah, after, great. you know. So it's was, it was wonderful. But they had to figure right. out who we were. Right. And so after you had those three years in, by 2016 then, people began to see, well, like, this might be the real deal. So, so the Longwood Foundation must get thousands of requests. Mm-hmm. How did you cut through the clutter to get to Thayer Dupont so that and show your worth to him to a point where he understood that you were in crisis and took like not only took that first call but took that second one and said let's let's change how we normally interact with people. He's a wonderful guy. He because Dave Cisco told he was. There was one of the people okay. there. He said, you need to. And you dropped Dave's name when you. When yeah. You and I you. think Dave kind of helped okay. me get, not okay. get sit to, with there. But there's all business. And uh, since then, I've not applied to him because we I didn't think we were at a space. Uh, we need to. I think um, applying to the Longwood Foundation, you don't take lightly. And I had actually applied twice and then pulled them because I didn't want it. I didn't want to know. I did. I wanted want to wait to have the strongest ask for him, hmm. and I want it to be. And he supports that. So when I think um, he's such a great guide, um, to, yeah, a teacher. And so I'll go back again. Yeah, but not. You know, it's going to be but a man. Amazing. That's hard to know that that's a possibility, and then pull it. You yeah. know, that's a really tough decision. It's like going to a client from business side and saying. We can't do your work because we're not ready to do that when you see that pile of money sitting there type of thing. Well, but if you don't get it, then... The worst, That's yeah. not good, right. you know, so I and don't... And it also impacts your credibility, mm-hmm. you know, it, even if it's just yourself internally that you're not good enough for this, but they might look at it. They might have a lesser view, so... But, yeah, that has to be tough. You know, when you're starting out, you're looking for every, every dollar to make the next month happened he made me a better grant writer okay 
he that their that guidance and they they have a wonderful process where if you're going to apply for a grant you mm-hmm. go through a learning uh, like an orientation process so i'm just very thankful for and, and at some point you know i'm sure we'll have an opportunity to approach them again it wasn't them saying don't it was me saying we're not strong enough yet the the ask wasn't strong enough okay. yeah that was it but then you know the whole the nonprofit foundation world has been wonderful to us, and we 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 ask for what we we don't make outrageous asks. Okay. And and a lot of them are every three years. Every Laffy went to every two years. Um, but then at the same time, we started to develop our corporate um, partners. So we have some wonderful corporate partners that are. Um, that are just helping fund the program. And know? was that a different conversation, a different type of conversation? Uh, yes, I think, yes, it is. Okay. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. It's more uh, uh, business-driven, and, and, you know, everybody has metrics, and I'm ha- I love having metrics because, and I got that from contracting with Department of Labor, because you, you need to be measured. You know, we just don't want you to, we don't want people just to give us money and, not ask what we're doing with right, it. You right. know? You'll so, take a little bit of that. But. Yeah, yeah, well, the, what happened today was yeah. great. You know, we had a nice gift today. But, yeah, you know, and uh, so the goal really is eventually to become more self-sufficient. So you don't have to, we don't have to depend on um, so many corporate grants or foundation grants. We still have a department. We have not a department of labor. We have a state uh, grant through the Division of Health and Social Services, and they're a wonderful partner as well. So, um, you know, we just, what we want to do, our vision is to establish a business enterprise mm-hmm. that where we can, uh, we're act- actually targeting landscaping. We're making some baby steps in there. We're doing a pilot project that Laffey has funded to, to um, do some on-the-job training program with a contractor, a landscaper. But we've bought some equipment, and we, um, have a, we've partnered with the Mount Olive Cemetery. I don't know if you're mm-hmm. familiar with Mount Olive. Mm-hmm. It's the oldest African-American cemetery in Delaware. Oh, wow. And they originally started where Bancroft Parkway and, I guess, Union Street, when they made Bancroft Parkway, there, the church had a cemetery there, and those folks had to be disinterred and they were put where Mount Olive is. And only 15% of the individuals have uh, headstones. So we're partnered with uh, Mount Olive, and so every class goes out on Friday and works to help clear the area, maintain it, Um, and that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to expand on that, and we got some landscape equipment that was funded actually by the Crystal Trust, And we asked them for assistance on that, so they've done that. So the goal is to kind of tiptoe into this. We're running a pilot to see what we can learn by partnering with a landscaper that is servicing the cemetery now. But he's working with one of our graduates, and he'll take another one in the spring. And we just need to learn lessons and then see if we can set up um, an enterprise as well so that we can actually – First is hire some of our folks because some of our folks aren't ready for prime time. They're not ready for shop right. Okay. And then so if we can keep what we have found is our folks are most successful the closer we keep them. 
So if we can help provide housing and we, we stay with mm-hmm. them to offer support forever, so like a case management, we, we case manage everybody forever. As long as they need us, we're there. And so then if we can add the employment piece to that too for individuals that, are, that need that entry into employment, then that's just going to make their reentry the odds more successful. So I don't so know. You're leaning on your staffing background, it sounds like, and understanding that that's a, a revenue generating model, and you're connecting that with, with what you're doing now with the nonprofits. That's pretty. That's, neat. Yeah, that's yeah. You're right on that, and I and I have to back up and say though, none of this would be working without the team that's in place here, and the partners. You know, our partners in the community, because right. you know, Christiana Care just gave us a grant that's uh, helping us uh, support housing okay. for individuals. So we've been mm-hmm. able to assist 26 people in a year with housing. Um, we we uh, partner with the Hope Center, um, Jewish Family Services, um, just so many partners in the community that make the programs so effective. And are you on a growth spurt right now? Is that what's happening? Yeah, we are. And yeah. and the, I have to tell you, the staff, too, and I have a former uh, Wilmington police officer is the deputy. And then, of course, um, Quincy, who came through the program years ago, he's the program specialist. We're getting ready to hire another person in the next week or two that will be more community-based because we need, you know, feet on the streets as well. So when a crisis happens and we're in here with the class, that you have another person out there in the community that, that's on point, yeah. you know, and also out there finding people that need us. Yeah. You know, we, when we started, it, um, we wanted everybody to be on probation or parole so that they had that extra layer of support. But after the pandemic, we really broadened that to anybody who's been justice involved because people need us yeah. and not just people that are on supervision. I mean, you can be off supervision for five years and still be struggling. No. Yeah. So I want to ask about like the operations of the of the nonprofit, mm-hmm. and um, it, and it'll kind of tie to the mission as well. But the um, I was calling through your your site. You're very understated. I can't find anything about you on your website, which is <laughs> awesome. Um, uh, I noticed like you. So you have surround. You have a board of governors or a yes, board of directors. Board of directors. It's very strong. And it looks like you give them job titles almost like their business development board director whatever do you operate your board differently or how do you find your board or i'd like to know what's your uh what's your methodology because i think that's a big piece of who you are so until recently i would say like the last two years we've had the founding board yeah so it's friends (laughs) people that you knew that knew that had a passion for the mission and you put them to work right and right and and, And correct and then we, we, I say we're putting, up our, putting on our grown-up pants now because we need, uh, we, we need to bump up the board, you know. And then people have termed out, so you can, the, mo- the most you can have is six-year consecutive terms. So we just are losing two board members. Mm-hmm. And we want to increase the number from uh, seven to nine. So, but we need specific skill sets. I want, we do have a graduate on the board. Um, we'll always do that, have a graduate. But we also need, um, and we just about a year ago developed committees 
So yeah. we didn't have that. We, so you're we, going through these phases, and I guess the first, like, every nonprofit should know, like, afterwards, right, that there's the phase of the startup. Right. Get it done. The next phase of the growth, and then the next one is sustainability, I guess, is what you start to turn into. And you need an active board. Yep. Yeah. Wow. And so over the last 10 years, if you had to look back on the significant changes that history, like, what would be those spikes, those ups and down spikes? Gosh. Um, well, I will say, well, landing this space was huge. And we're in this. We're in the big bookstore. Used to be a bookstore. Book it's store. beautiful. It's on the campus of Widener Law School. And um, they donated it to you, or let you use they it? They did. We we heard that the dean. They were doing an inside out program at the uh, Howard Young Correctional Institution, What's where out? the law students were going into the prison and they were taking classes together. Okay. And. Um, the deputy director, Brian Aline, had saw that, and he and at that time, uh, I don't think I'd, yeah, I had he just came on board as a, an employee, and he said, Chris, we ought to go talk to the dean and tell him what we're doing, because maybe there's some synergy there, and at that point, we'd been in the Claymont Community Center in a 20 by 25 foot room, and that's what we, we had, three, these these three tables, 12 computers, and two little offices. And we were making it, but that's where we were. That's what we could afford. Right. And so we came to talk to Dean Samala and just to tell him what we were doing. And we, we were there like 10 minutes. And he looked at us and he said, well, I can't give you any money, but do you like where you're at? And we looked at him and he, we said, he said, yeah, I have a, let's look at space here on campus. And so he gave us the bookstore, and it was a, a vacant bookstore for two years. And uh, they, the Delaware Law has done everything we asked. They ripped all the bookshelves out. We had a graduate paint it. Um, then the week we, before we were going to move here, we're very good partners with the U.S. Attorney's Office mm -hmm. for Delaware, and um, they came over and said, "Hey." Chris, we're moving in a week. Do you guys need any furniture? <laughs> and they outfitted two floors of space, conference table, chairs, stand-up desks. Wow. You know, so we're this just is the blessed. moment for you. Yeah, yeah it really was. And right. then that freed us up to do other things, you know, to hire another individual. And um, so, and I would also say the pandemic helped us big time. Because it made us be more creative and nimble. Yep. So we're in this mode, you know, you're running your classes every, uh, your two classes a year. And then that hit. And I talked to the team and I said, the first week of the pandemic, I said, look, you're going to, we, we got it. We're going to keep working. So you have to figure out how to do the new start program remotely. And they pushed back immediately and said, no, we don't agree with that because we don't want to lose the integrity of the program. That program has to be done a certain way. I said, okay, you guys have one week to figure it out. Come back to me with some ideas. And right before the pandemic, I had read the book, The Four Agreements. I don't know if you're familiar with this book. And uh, because I thought I gave them to each of the guys, and I said, why don't you read, I want you to read this book, and maybe we should use some of this in the curriculum. Well, the, the agreements are be impeccable with your word, don't make assumptions, always do your best, and don't take anything personally. Well, they <laughs> took that and created the most impactful remote program 
that we started doing immediately in the work release centers, and we're still doing it. And so we do it remotely to Sussex and in Kent County. But as the people roll out, uh, a lot of them have come into the program. We've helped people even down in Sussex get housing and connect to employment. So that was a big, uh, we just learned to be nimble and creative. And I I think it... Never waste a crisis, right? Right. And it really changed us. Yeah. What about... You're building your credibility, but what about when uh, some of your students fall backwards? And does that impact your credibility? And, and like, how do you recover from that? How do you how do you how do you move forward? Not just with that person that fell backwards, but with everybody who reached out to help you. Now all of a sudden they're seeing a problem. Yeah, the guys, staff tells and teams the team tells me it's hard not to take it personally because you invest so much in them. But so many times they end up coming back. Okay. They need that moment and then figure it out. Um, historically, until the pandemic, maybe the year before, the average age was about 34. The last three or four years, average age is 28. Okay. And the nature of individuals' offenses are more violent. Everybody's got a gun charge, no work history, 51% don't have a high school diploma or GED, and everybody's living pretty much in transient housing. Mm. So you have all that to deal with. And so the young one, a lot of the younger ones aren't tired yet. They're not tired of being in prison. Okay. And it's great to have a mix of old and young in every cohort because they lear- they really bond together one of the um, gentlemen today said they form a brotherhood you've and sisterhood we have women but they've become almost a family in each class so in in addition to us and our support they tend learn to support each other so um it you know not everybody's gonna isn't ready right but once they're ready they're ready and i and i always say I'm a boater. And, I, you know, I always say, well, like a boat goes through the water, the creates a wake. And I tell them, you make it. You know, there's all this other, all these other humans in their wake. Their kids, their parents. And they prove we had an individual in the April 2022 cohort who made his dad come to the October 22 cohort. Oh, wow. Wow. So it... You know, and they're both doing great. Good, good. So, you know, so we have, since we started, I think 159 people have come in the door. Um, 113 have graduated. Out of that 113, 104 are working. Okay. And, uh, you know, about 78% have not been reconvicted. Wow, that's huge. So we just, you know, you just got to keep. Yeah. So what's been hard for you personally running this? Is it the business it's side? It's not hard, right? you know. Yeah. And I th- there's there have been points in the past where um, we don't have a grant. I'm writing the grants, and you think, well, I want to be doing more than writing the grants. But you know what? I got my mind wrapped around it. That's my role. Yeah. And my role is to you know create the environment to give the team the freedom to do what they that I know they can do. And that's the other thing the pandemic did gave me the understanding that I don't have to be here every day. I can work 
really more effectively off-site because you just can focus yeah. where I never would have thought that before ever. Yeah. And I trust my team. Yep. You gotta, if we used to say we used to fire each other <laughs> once right, in a while. Because right. you find out what you're really good at right. is what you're saying and then just have the team actually do and that. And trust your folks. Yeah. If they're doing their job, if you're getting the results, then, you know, that that speaks for it. And yeah. and they the team is almost revered by people that come through the program. They just um So we have an we have an empty chair here and uh I'm curious uh Priscilla of 10 years ago comes in with passion. I'm going to make I'm heading to New Jersey, right? <laughs> Says they're going to change their um, whole career path whatever. What are you telling her like do it? Don't do it? I've never been, don't do it. I just go, you know, accept the challenge. If you, you know, that's just how I'm built, you know, so I don't know that that's the right advice for anybody. Mm -hmm. And, and I remember my daughter got her MBA and she goes, oh, mom, what's your business plan look like? And I went, oh, business plan. You know, at the beginning, it wasn't there. It was and so I would advise people to, you know, do more research probably than I did or, you know, know have a, some kind of business plan in place. And, and I, I think I wasn't afraid of the financing because I had that relationship with the state, you know, and I knew that. And when I gave I, you the running room. The, right, right. And um, so, you know, but you have to have the right people in place to support your vision. You know, and you have to sell them on the vision and get them to believe in it. Right. What did you do to do that? Like, how did you find? I think you just find the right people. Yeah. By going out and talking or I'm sure. Well, I met Brian uh, at a reentry simulation and then he came in and actually did some volunteer work with the groups and they loved him while he was a cop. And then he joined the board. You know, he was in from the beginning. And then Quincy I met, you know, the first day he came through the program, I thought, this, this, this person's special. And I, I wanted to hire him from the get-go. And it just, we, the time was right this year. Yep. And we made it happen. And he, my gosh, he's added so much value. And so we need to add a third person. And um, uh, he recommended somebody. And an uh, individual who runs a program in the prison recommended the same person. Wow. So... We've had that person in the last couple of weeks um, observing, and he's in. That's great. So, you know. Wow. Tell us about the first graduating class. Like, for us in business, like, the first wins that we had were so important because it, it validated you, and it, um, it it let you know that, well, it funded you to go to the next one for us. Right, but, right. like, like, it was a way of saying I'm creating something of value that people are, are valuing as well. Like, tell us about that first graduating class. It was great. And, and they mm-hmm. were still connected to folks that were in the first graduating class. What is funny is, um, of course, you know, we were still uh, developing our credibility. And um, we had the graduation right in the classroom because, you know, we invited very few people, just really their families and parole officers if they would come and anybody from Department of Correction. But um, the last graduation, we had 73 guests. Wow. And that was the biggest. Wow. And uh, people get really pretty emotional at these events because the graduates want to share their stories, you know. So um, 
you know, but I think from the very beginning, you knew you, the mission was the mission. And if you could engage people that believed in the mission, it's going to work. Okay. You know, yeah. and, it, and, and it, this isn't like, you know, puppies. It's people that have done something wrong. And so it, but it's not the, who defines them. It does not define them. And so you just um, kind of mind. One of the graduates said today, this program gave me, two of them said it, gave me hope. And if we can help give people hope, um, and they know there's a circle of support, they're going to be fine. And we're going to be fine. Great. You know? You're worlds away from the CIA, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, there's a great uh, movie called Sliding Doors, where you choose one door or the other, right. and how the trajectory ends up happening. But wow, what an impact you've had on people's lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they keep forgetting there's a person that there's behind this that has to go home every night feed their family and everything else like yeah. that. It's yeah. amazing. What advice would you give to somebody who's in the corporate world looking to possibly do a nonprofit mm-hmm. and take a similar path that you did? You know, I, again, I have to go back. What are you passionate about? Okay. Because then it's not work, mm. right? It just isn't work. It's your, it, it's what you, it's who you are. Okay. You know, I, I don't, I know probably in in the in a on a real board on a good on a not a real board, but in an organization you got to have a succession plan, and we'll work on that. But as long as you know, I'm as long as they'll have me, I'm 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 in. <laughs> you know, nice. it's just you know, and of course you want to leave it in good hands, but right. that'll happen. But it's not anything I'm looking forward to stepping away from. So. How do people find out more about you? Like, what's the website? So website? we are just recently created our social media image, our presence. Okay. So we have a great social media uh, person. So we are do our, we're on Facebook, Instagram. Our website is being updated. Um, okay. And you know, we uh, just to know if you know any person is justice involved and is struggling, um, just let them connect them with Project New Start. Okay. And is it projectnewstart.com, or what is the, uh, what's the URL? It, yeah, it's, uh, the, the website is project-new-start.org. Yeah. Okay. Well, great. Well, thank you so much for your time. Oh, yeah. Thank you. It was it's a great pleasure. to be here. It's a beautiful office. I'm so glad it became that <laughs> thing that took all my money from one. There you go. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Congratulations. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah thank you for your time. Yeah. Yeah. That ends the show. Press the big button.